0: beloved. I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here, Anderson Hills. I want to welcome everyone who's uh, watching online. So for the past 13 weeks we've been reading through the Bible in chronological order. After today we'll push the pause button on the story which we are currently in and tomorrow begin our advent journey uh, on a savior is born and The Bible reading plans are outside on the guest services uh, desk and then also on our website and on our app. And so when we look back at our journey in the story, we see how God called Abraham to become the father of the nation of Israel. And the mission of Israel was to point other nations and all people, part of those nations to God. And God wants all people to come back to him with all of their lives. And God gave Israel a land, and God allowed them to have kings. And the first king was Saul, and we saw that a few weeks ago. And Saul, he failed uh, pretty miserably. And then God chose David as a king. And, and David did represent God well, even though he sinned grievously. He repented and captured the heart of a gracious God who was available to anyone and so we pick up today and David is old and he is, he's nearing death and he knows it's about time to pass on the baton, his leadership of the kingdom to the next generation. But David had several sons and one of them was vying to succeed his father on the throne. And one day Bathsheba went to see David in his room and she bowed to him and he asked her if there was something that she wanted and she bowed and reminded David that he had once sworn that her son Solomon would become king after David. And David replied, As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble? I will surely carry out today what I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel. Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he will sit on the throne in my palace. And so Solomon was anointed king, and when the time came for David to die. He charged Solomon with this blessing. He said, I'm about to go all the way to the earth, so be strong and show yourself a man and observe what the Lord requires. He said, walk in his ways. Keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements, as is written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper and all you do, wherever you go, that the Lord may keep his promise to me. And if your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with, with Israel and all their heart and soul, you'll never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. And so today we look at that blessing and then begin to see and look and observe at Solomon's life and some lessons for us. Most of us know the story of Aladdin. And as you remember, uh, Aladdin finds a magic lamp. And when he rubs it, it produces a genie who has the power to grant any wish. And you know, we've all imagined maybe having that same lamp that Aladdin had. It's very captivating to think about the possibilities to have three wishes. There's a story about three men who were marooned on a desert island, and they had no hope of rescue. And they were walking around the island, and one one of them kicked something in the sand, and it was a magic lamp. Well, he rubbed the lamp, and a genie appeared and offered each man one wish. Well, the first one was really excited. He said, I wish I was back in my office in Boston. Poof, he was gone. The second man said, I wish I was home with my family. Poof, he was gone. The last man looked around and said, man, it's lonely here. I wish my friends were back with me. Boom. (laughs) Oh, bummer. (laughs) Bummer, eh? (laughs) You know, we do a lot of wishing in life. And wishing's fun to do for a little while, but it won't get you anywhere. The problem with wishing is there's no genies or magic lamp. They do not exist. But God exists and desires to pour out many blessings upon us. And so since God exists, He's more powerful than any genie, any wish. And his will can become a reality within us and be lived out. And so God did something for Solomon. And that, as far as the Bible reveals, has never been done before. And he never did it again. He asked Solomon the most amazing questions omnipotent, infinite God can ask to a finite person. It says, on that night, God appeared to Solomon... He said to him, ask, what shall I give you? Let that sink in for a moment for you personally. The creator God just asked a created person, your wish is my command. And Solomon had just been given carte blanche by one of those dictionary words, impossible, and it's there. And so this morning I want to ask you the same question question for a second. Would you, what would you say if God asked you, what shall I give you? What would you answer? You know, prepping for this sermon, I think, it, it, I, would, I would ask myself that question. It's hard. I believe we would answer, what we'd answer would re- reveal a lot about our lives, our priorities. And it also maybe could show some circumstances we are going through right here in the present there are many here today who would put themselves aside and maybe see a loved one healed and that's what they would ask for we might have an unspoken struggle of our own and we would maybe want god to supernaturally intervene and we see a chaotic world and maybe we would ask and say i want peace god on this on this earth or maybe some of us are just like come lord jesus come Well, ponder that question just for a second. Probably an egotistical person would say, I want fame. A materialistic person would say, I want wealth. Or an ambitious person would say, I want power. And I would dare say that one out of a billion people would have asked for something, would have fallen into one of those categories. But not Solomon. And it is so incredible what he says. He fills in that blank with word wisdom. Wisdom. He says, God, now give me wisdom. And God gave him something more valuable than all wealth, more satisfying than fame, more exhilarating than power. He gives him wisdom. Indeed, all of those other things become as a byproduct of wisdom, and we'll see that. And God went on to promise Solomon. He says, Solomon, because this was in your heart, And you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or life of your enemies, nor have I asked you long life, but you have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings who would ever have been before you nor shall have after you you have the like. And you see this. This is a a tremendous gift placed upon this king. The word Solomon used is the word chakmah. Now be careful. If you say that, don't say it too because something might end up on the back of your neighbor's head, but it's chakmah. And I dug deeper into this word to boil it down. Solomon asked for Hakmah, which is a system of truths or ideas, laws applying to the Creator to apply and be skillful at the method and mechanics of his role and job as king. And so, when he asked for Hakmah, he was asking for the benefit of those around him whom he served. It was his choice to do that. And we see Solomon's wisdom is tested in 1 Kings chapter 3. Two women come to him arguing over who is the mother of a baby boy. And the women are prostitutes and their babies were born three days apart. And unfortunately, one of the babies died. And one of the mothers secretly traded the dead baby for the live baby during the night. And they come in this dilemma to Solomon. And we read his wisdom. Look at this. 1 Kings 3, 23 through 28. The king says, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While the one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. And then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. And he gave them an order. Cut the living child in two and give half the one and half to the other. And the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king... Please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. And then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Don't kill him. She is his mother. And when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice that's very wise isn't it you know folks we have access to Solomon's wisdom you look at Proverbs Ecclesiastes the songs of Solomon at Anderson Hills we practice daily habits about seeking the wisdom of God found in his word through prayer and study And through the ministry of the Holy Spirit reading Proverbs is like reading a room or walking into a room full of treasure at the beginning of Proverbs 1 chapter 1 Solomon gives us why he wrote them and the very first proverb is a wise saying he said the Proverbs of Solomon son of David king of Israel for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight for receiving instruction in prudent behavior Doing what is right and just and fair, giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the saying and riddles of the wise. And so we hear the reason why he wrote these proverbs of wisdom. And it's no surprise, this very first proverb. Solomon begins with, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instructions. So this treasure, this heavenly treasure chest of wisdom is accessible for us. There's 31 Proverbs. And we normally have, you know, 31 days of the month. You can read a proverb every day. In fact, I have some colleagues who do that. Practice that. To gain heavenly wisdom, you don't have to look very far to find it. And when you do find it, you don't have to unlock it in God's word. All you have to do is open and enjoy the jewels of its wisdom taught in the ministry of the word unto us. Wisdom is accessible. And Solomon compares wisdom to a cry that can be heard anywhere, to a free meal that can be eaten any time. And it's food, it's nourishment for our heart, mind, soul, and strength and decision making in the interaction with others. Solomon goes on to say, yes, if you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. In other words, if you ask for wisdom, you will get wisdom. And here's a fail-safe plan, foolproof formula for getting wisdom. First, you must admit that you need wisdom. You know, I've been there when I was a teen. And my mom and dad would tell me things or they'd be in the passenger seat with me and I'm trying to get my driver's, you know, exam, you know, take my hours so I can get my driver's license. And they would say, I got it. I, I know. I know. And I would be resistant to that teaching right there in the driving seat. And I know you can at certain times in your life, and I think I still do, can be at a time of resistant to that But the doorstep, Benjamin Franklin said rightly, that the temple of wisdom is the knowledge of our own or your own ignorance. We have to go to God, who is the source of all wisdom. In fact, not only does God have a monopoly on wisdom, but his wisdom makes our wisdom look like foolishness. Paul even said this. He said, the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. Now think about that. If God were capable of a stupid thought, which he is not, that thought would be wiser than any of the wisest thoughts ever in the history of the world. God's not hoarding wisdom, folks. He is eager to give it away to us. It says, if ye any lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all liberally without reproach. It will be given unto him. James 1.5. So we must ask for it. Solomon's writing gives us examples of moral wisdom instruction on God's standards and ethical behavior how to be wise and skillful in ethics and moral which produces character he also gives us functional wisdom practical insights on how to go about daily work finances how to be skillful in the mechanics of our role and job it focuses on competence in what we do also there's relational wisdom instruction on how to interact with people how to be wise and skillful in our relationships and interactions with each other and that connection we have with other humans let's take a few of these take a look at the few of these gems in Proverbs it's pretty easy to determine which these are first of all Proverbs 3 5 through 6 he says trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding and understanding in all your ways Submit to him, and he will make straight your path. Proverbs 3, 9 through 12. Look at this one. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled, overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. Proverbs 20, 13. Do not love sleep, or you'll grow poor. Stay awake. You'll have spare food. In other words, don't be a sluggard. Get out there. Make a living with your hands and your mind and your gifts. Proverbs 11:13. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. 21:28 A false witness will perish, but a careful listener will testify successfully. And so he's saying be careful with your tongue. Proverbs 3 three through four, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the, as a tablet on your heart, and then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And one last proverb from a man who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Better live in the desert with a quarrelsome than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Ladies, no worries. I want to tell you, you have a monopoly on wisdom because Hokmah or Hakma. And Sophia in the New Testament mean, they both mean wisdom. So, guys, we have to remember this that these ladies around us are indeed wise. You see, we have to embrace these kinds of teachings in our lives. And so, because Solomon's father's military success had secured Israel's borders, King Solomon could now focus on diplomacy and trade and architecture and temple construction to build up the nation of Israel you see Solomon worked with Hiram the king of Tyre, to get extravagant wood for the temple construction and he begins to build this amazing temple he traded food and oil and cedar and pine and juniper and olive wood for the temple and the most high place was overlaid with gold And the floor plan of Solomon's temple followed the same tabernacle plan of Moses that he had built during their wilderness journey. It took seven years of work by 180,000 laborers and 8,000 supervisors. And at the end of work, they, they brought all of David's dedicated furnishings. And finally, when it was completed, he summoned all the elders and the heads of every tribe and chiefs of the Israelite families. They came together and the priests brought the ark. And it gives you chills when you read this in that chapter, you read of that temple dedication. There's a record number of animal sacrifices, hundreds of consecrating priests, blowing trumpets and raising their voices to the Lord and singing. He is good. His love endures forever. And they keep repeating that. And Solomon stands before the altar of all Israel. And he spreads out his hands toward the heaven. And he dedicates this amazing temple. And when he finishes, he says these words. And you can see them in 2 Chronicles 6, 41 and 42. Now arise, Lord God, and come and find your resting place. You and the ark of your might. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with your salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness, Lord God. Don't reject your anointed one. Remember the great love promised to David, your servant. And soon as he finishes that prayer, a fire comes down from heaven and consumes the burnt offering and sacrifices to the glory of the Lord and his glory and presence filled that temple that was dedicated And the priest couldn't even enter the temple because the glory of the Lord was so thick. And everyone placed their faces on the ground and knelt before the Lord, proclaiming, he is good, his love endures forever. And after it was all over, God appeared to Solomon at night and reminded him to walk faithfully, to do all that he commanded, To observe the decrees and the laws. Don't go off and serve other gods. And he tells them this. And he reminds Solomon that faithfulness, integrity of heart, uprightness and obedience is what God desires most. And so where acolytes and admirers from everywhere, they come and they want to see what's going on with Solomon because his reputation spreads. For example, Queen Sheba came to test Solomon with hard questions. And... She wanted to check out everything that he built. She came with caravans of camels carrying crazy amounts of spices, gold, and precious stones. And Solomon answered all her questions, and she was blown away, and she was astonished. Massive trade began to ensue with all of these other nations around Israel, and the news traveled. And crazy amounts of ship, ships were built. And Solomon built those. And he was the brainchild of all these decisions. And this led to revenues coming from Arabian kings and governors of surrounding territories. Wealth accumulated until it says that Solomon's riches and wisdom were greater than any king in the earth. And the whole world sought audience with him to hear his wisdom that God put on his heart. Silver, gold, weapons, spices, horses, chariots, everything. He grew that. But then there's a little change. You begin to smell something sour that's happening with Solomon. He begins to change focus. Rather than building his nation, he begins to start to building exquisite things for himself. Gold goblets. Expensive throne laid in gold. And you see that he begins to shift off of his people and start building things for himself. And then polygamy to the max. And during that time, it was considered normal. However, it was not sanctioned by God. He began to collect harems of wives and concubines. And we find out, tragically, that Solomon didn't finish well. he began to love women from nations that did not worship God that wanted to lead him astray about which the Lord told the Israelites they are from nations which the Lord has told the Israelites you must not intermarry with them because they surely will turn your hearts after other gods and nevertheless Solomon held fast to them with love and you begin to witness after these extraordinary things that Solomon did a, a frog in a kettle of warm water and the heat is slowly rising and boiling and it's subtle 700 wives 300 concubines whispering in his ear and changing that wisdom and I think this is when he wrote that quarrelsome and nagging wife proverb you see he didn't finish well he had it all but he wanted more And the boiling center happened there when he lost sight of who the giver really was and laying down his life in obedience to that giver. He turned away from God and he lost it all. He started strong and ended poorly. And God became angry with Solomon because Solomon's heart was divided. And because his heart was divided, his kingdom divided. Solomon didn't finish well. There's wisdom in beginning with the end in sight. There's wisdom in leaving a legacy in the Lord at the end of our lives. And somehow this king lost discernment through wealth and women. And we read that as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart, and he was not full, fully devoted to God. You know, our hearts can become divided We can have a radical focus on self-accumulation to things, to unhealthy relationships, and try to expect that we would have a heart fully given to God. We have to rely on the wisdom of the one who gives us everything, all gifts, and the power of the Holy Spirit to help us discern. And this happens when we give completely our lives to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. I remember after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I began to sponge off of His Word and relationships around me who were walking in the way that leads to life. And I grew in my study of the Word. And this might sound like a miracle to many, but my decision making began to change for the better. I didn't do idiotic stuff anymore. Discernment began to came, became. Believe it or not, wisdom came. And like I said, I also surrounded myself with amazing people who came alongside of me, not to whisper in my ear and pull me off in this direction, but to keep me on that straight path, fully devoted to God. And those people, I will never ever forget. No wives or concubines, only an awesome Christian woman who became my wife, my only wife. (laughs) Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given unto you. And it's not wealth and power, all these things is the gift of God, his ways, his rhythms, his wisdom, the fullness of him who offers to grant us these things, and we seek after that with our whole heart. You won't ever have a divided heart, my friends. Christ's character comes. His moral, relational, functional wisdom is ours for the taking, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, I look at the journey of Advent and understanding what we're going to learn about salvation And I said in the beginning of this message, we're pushing pause on a series called The Story. And we're taking that journey into the celebration of Christmas. And during this five-week series, we're going to dig deeper into the gift of what salvation really means. That God sent his son to change our lives in profound ways. And that Jesus was born to bring us this wholeness. And remove these hindrances that prevent us from having a walk fully into a redeemed life. And folks, I don't want anything less than that. That wholeness of God's abundant life. Today, we have to learn from Solomon. And that lesson that his king gave us. That we can't be led astray. We have to pray for heaven wisdom. He had it all. And as we get ready to go into this Christmas season, we can have this wisdom help us guard our hearts from the tyranny of too much stuff and exist solely for the benefit of others. When we find that when God asks us, What do you want? You know what, my friends? Think about that just for a second. Because I I asked myself as I was writing this. I want salvation. In Christ alone. I I want a single-minded heart. Not divided. And I want to give my life completely to Him. And that happens in our salvation. Let's pray together. God... Give us your wisdom. impart it. May we not take another step with a divided heart, but give you our whole heart. Dear Lord, thank you for your, your wisdom, that you desire so to impart unto us, and may we dig deeper in our studies and the rhythms and our practices here at Anderson Hills and in our lives. We thank you, Lord. And may all our ways, may we trust in you. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.